online, you'd say, why don't you get to the house? Get your Bible and go to Ephesians chapter 4. Wow, I'll tell you something, I've been enjoying studying the Word. I've been enjoying what the Lord's showing me. I've actually been working all day on this Sunday sermon, and I'm not telling you what it is. Yeah, you got to come. You got to come. And if you're not here, you're going to wish you were. But you know, I've been praying a lot over America. I've got to tell you a story right now. It's, it's, it's just nuts. It's nuts. Went in to get my truck washed today, which I haven't done in a while. I go through uh, one of those places up in Mount Dora where they, you pay a few bucks and it washes it. But I like going in occasionally and getting them to do the interior. They're not there. So I got there, and there's three people there, three. So I, I, I go up to the screen, and I'm kind of like, you know, there's no interior wash. And I'm looking at the 5 and the 7 and the 12 and the 20. And, I'm, and the girl looks at me. She leans over and says, we don't have exterior uh, interior work anymore. So I said, what happened? Well, she said, well, they all got moved somewhere. And I said, and I, I just stopped her. I said, that's a lie. I said, you, you're, whoever owns this place mandated the vaccine, didn't they? She said, yes, they did. And I said, and they quit, didn't they? She said, a few of them went other places. I said, they quit, didn't they? She said, yes. I said, did you take the vaccine? She said, yes. I said, you know, it'll kill you. She said, I'll die sometimes. I said, don't go to hell. She said, I am. Well, it's nuts. It's, it's also crazy. It's crazy, folks. People are crazy. Man, we live in some weird times. So anyway, my sermon is called, We Live in Wonderful, Weird, Wonderful Times. Anyway, so uh, I just thought you'd like to know about washing my truck. I didn't get the interior done. I had to vacuum it myself. But it's okay. It wasn't that bad. So anyway, let's talk tonight about something. God's number one priority. What is... What do you think he's doing with you? What's he doing with you? Growing you? Yeah, he is. How does he do it? Through the word. Through the word. So, uh, so go to Ephesians chapter 4. And let's go back and start with verse 11 again. Last night we did this in Bible school. And uh, some of the, you'll get a little bit of that again tonight. He gave some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We thought we went over this last night, and I think it's apropos to do it again here tonight. Um, Frank's been teaching the class on church government, doing a good job. So, so do you, do you realize that there are men and women, God called them to be ministers. If he didn't call you and anoint you, you're not. You don't start a church because you're a businessman and you hire someone to bring them in. There's no anointing. It's in the anointing. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. And so America is suffering today because we've got people in pulpits that shouldn't be there. And I'm not here to 
you know, to browbeat. But I'm just being honest with you. Let's just get down. You, you can't just go everywhere and call it a church. Now, we're gonna, we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute on why I just said that. But, uh, but, but God anointed David to be king. You can't just go, I think I'm the king now. No, you're going to be anointed to be king or you're not a king. You're anointed to be a king and a, and a priest in this earth. You're anointed. And people who are not born again, they're not. And they're going to have to come to Jesus and get born again or they're not anointed. Amen. So he says he gave apostles, prophets, and these men have a purpose. Verse 12, for the equipping of saints. That means without them you'll never get equipment. You don't get equipment in a church where, where the man's not called. You might get a lesson for the equipping the saints so the saints can do work or ministry. I changed that a little bit for you. For the edifying of the body of Christ till or until we come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Underline perfect and don't let it throw you. It's the Greek word mature. God wants you mature to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. In other words, when he's done, you'll be like Jesus. Some of you think, no way. Well, way. Yeah, you will. You will. One day you will. That we will no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness, deceitful plottings, but that we would speak the truth in love. Now, let me stop right there and say something here. Without truth, you will never mature, never grow up, and never live in victory. Now, listen to me, never. That means that ministers cannot water down the Bible for you. They're doing you a great disservice. It's harmful, and you don't want to go somewhere where they're not preaching truth. You don't. You don't, don't even walk in the door. My mother called. I don't care what your mama did. Don't even walk in the door. Go, nope, not going there. And just, you know, just you stay, stay with the truth because truth will set you free. Without it, Jesus says, I am the truth. Without truth, you haven't even heard the word. You, you haven't e if it's not truth, it's not even gospel. All right, well, let's, let's go, let's get a little, little, that we would, okay, speaking the truth in love, and that means you need to do it in love because you can't just hand people truth without caring about them because truth might get a little, little bit rough or, or like one lady said one day about me, she says, you're quite raw, that we would grow up in all things who's the head, Christ, from whom the whole body uh, rooted and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effective work and by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, um, just because you're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, God's not done with your life. I want you to, you, would have to, you can put them on the screen if you want to, if you don't want to, it's, it's okay with me. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. What that means, God has a plan. He's got a purpose. You were born with a purpose and a plan. Now, some of you have yours, and some of you have God's, and you might need to make adjustment. Philippians 1.1 1, 1 
says, I want to turn over there. I want to go to Philippians now. I want to do this one. Philippians 1. Uh, where am I? 1. Uh, I think so. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus, to all the saints in Jesus Christ who are in Philippi with the bishops, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in all, every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, that's very comforting, isn't it? So that means that God is responsible and he's working to get you where you're supposed to be. Now, we're going to talk in a minute about what happens when you don't cooperate. Is everyone cooperating? Do you always cooperate? I don't either. No, I don't think any of us have always 100% cooperated with God. All right, now, but it says that he's going to get you there, and I want you to know. So Philippians 2.12, turn to, oh, just turn to page 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Does that mean you've got to work out being born again? No. That means what's in you, work it to the outside. With fear and trembling, it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. That means God is on the inside working to the outside to get you to where you want to be. Now, if you're born again, you are very God conscious. That means you think about him pretty much all the time. You're aware of his presence. You're aware of the word of God. You're aware he's there. And you have a consciousness of him all the time. And you know you're born again. Okay. Now, Second Peter chapter 1, chapter 2, verse 1. 2 Peter 2, 1, I think. No, Philippians 2, 12, 2, 2 something. No, no, I'm in the wrong script. 2 Peter 1, 2, okay. I got four scriptures right here, and they all look like the same, so hold on a minute. It is. Now, let's, let's look at this because this is a scripture I probably, if I preached on it once in 30 years, I, I just don't preach on it, but the Spirit of God began to deal with me this week to start talking about this. Grace and peace is multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. The more the knowledge of God you have, the more grace, the more peace you have. You say, I don't have much peace. Well, you don't have much knowledge. And we're not talking about natural knowledge. We're talking about revelation knowledge of who you are in Christ and what Jesus did. That's a different kind of knowledge. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4, by which you have been given us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now look at verse 5. But also for this reason, giving diligence, add to your faith virtue. See, it's not enough that you say, I'm saved. 
at some point, God wants to, you to add something to your faith in Jesus. Now think about what I'm fixing to say because we have the idea that a Christian is a person who just goes to church, hears some sermons, and lives the best they can. God wants you to do something with your Christian life. And even though you're born again, Peter is looking by the Holy Ghost to say and add something to your faith in Jesus. And he said virtue. What is virtue that he wants you to add? What is that? That's a weird word. We don't use it. It means moral excellence. He wants you to add morality to your life. God's not going to add it. You're going to add it. Now, let me, st- let me change. Let me, let me go back to my, what I'm trying to say tonight, and I'm going to explain what I'm doing here. How are you going to add morality if the pastor doesn't preach morality? What if you don't read scriptures on morality? What if all we ever do is preach Jesus and who we are in Christ and what belongs to us and how much God loves us? And all of those are true. But you know what's going on today is that we're, we, we, we've begun to compromise. Jesus said, go in all the world and preach. Go to teach them to do what I said. Go preach the gospel. But he said, teach them to do what I said do. That means there's more in the Bible than Kenneth is preaching. Kenneth Copeland has a mandate from God to preach on the subjects he preaches on. And that's good. T.L. Osborne preached on salvation. That's good. Um, Reinhard Bonnke preached salvation. That's good. Um, Who else? John Bevere preaches on living right. Have you ever noticed that God's got more than one kind of preacher and minister in the body? Not just your two favorites. There's a lot more people out there So which one do we go with, Bevere, Rick Renner, or Mark Hankins? All of them. Because if you listen to Mark, he's going to increase your faith. You listen to John Bevere, he's going to get you real holy. So do you need it? Yeah, you're supposed to be adding it to your life. Now here's a travesty. What is it? What is it with some people? And we're gonna we're gonna talk about this tonight. That year after year after year, why are they not growing? There's people not growing, even though God said He's working in you. Are you ignoring Him? You could be. And we're gonna talk about what He does about that. Do y'all want to know? Yeah, I always want to know too. I always thought, what are you doing? And what about all these goofy people that aren't doing what you said? All right. For this reason, give to all diligence. Diligence means, I mean, it's like you're pressing. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. This is not just a knowledge. This is revelation knowledge of who you are in Christ and what belongs to you. You've got to find it out and add that to your life. To knowledge, self-control. The, the society is out of control. Now, we'll get into this Sunday morning. I'll give you a heads up here. 
What is a scriptural worldview? What is a Christian worldview? That the Bible is the standard that we live by. What is a non-Christian worldview? Hollywood, secular, whatever, teachers, scientists set the standard. They don't have a standard. So there is two kinds of people walking the planet People with a standard and people without a standard. And let me go ahead and get a little bit. I'm going to just get out there right now. God is eternally cool. He's not outdated. Your faith in God is now. It's not old hat. I am cool. I don't have an old way of doing things. I have a now way of doing things. You don't trump God's way of doing it. Well, we, we listen, it's, style is fine. Change with style. But I mean, I mean but you need, you need to be persuaded to be like a rock when it comes to morality, and when it comes to principle, don't change anything. Can I say it again? I'm just going to go ahead and blow your ears off. Don't, don't, listen, we can change the, we can change the way we do. We used to do the overheads with the little floppies. We changed it. That's just style. Who cares? I can remember when we had church and we had an organ. Then we had a piano. Then we got guitars. Those are styles. But we're going to preach holiness the same way they did 100 years ago. We're going to preach marriage the same way they did 100 years ago. We're going to preach love the same way they did 100 years ago. We're going to preach Christianity exactly the same way we did 100 years ago. And we're not going to change it. We don't have a cooler version. Now, you can do pistol leg pants, and I never will, so forget it. Someone told me one time, says, you need to start attracting the younger generation. I said, that's Justin's job. And let him do it, since most of them don't have any money anyway. What do you want to feel? I mean, I, I believe in attracting them and getting them saved. I do. But, but Kenneth Hagin was the most uncool-looking dude I ever met in my life. And when I was 20-something years old, I loved that man. You don't have to be young and dress crazy to attract somebody. All you got to be is full of life and truth. Amen. He looked like a grandpa, and I loved him to pieces. So I don't have to look like a nerd, I mean a weirdo. That's none of that's in my notes. I just added all of that for y'all. To knowledge, you still should have self-control. That is not outdated. To, to self-control, you need some perseverance. What is perseverance? That means don't be such a big quitter. Ain't not hard. Well, suck it up, buttercup. 
I mean the I quit marriage, I quit. I'm going to tell you your best day. You, 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 marriage ain't worth a nickel if you hadn't had a fight or two. Oh, don't look at me in that tone of voice. Y'all so holy, I can't. How are you ever going to find out who the boss of the house is if you don't ever have a fight? <laughs> you know the only thing to cut a diamond is a diamond? Yeah, I got Polisa polished up real good. I mean, she shines like a new penny after being around me a while. I mean, I have been cutting edges off that. She was a diamond in the rough when I found her, but boy, she's pretty now. And vice versa. I know y'all want to say it. I know you want to say it. Go ahead and say it. It's all right. But you know, it don't happen if you quit. Big bunch of babies. All right, all right. Godliness, all right, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness. Really? Godliness, brotherly kindness. That's not always godly. Sometimes it's not easy to be nice to people. You can be godly and go, I don't like them very much. Well, why don't you just, why don't you make friends with the people you don't like? Why don't you take them out to eat and find something in common? If you're so holy, prove it. I know you can love your friends, but can you love people that don't like you? <laughs> it's tough, but you can do it. Come on. All right, godliness, brother kindness, brother kindness, kindness, agape love. These things are yours and abound. You will ni be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's talking here about you growing in God. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. He's talking about you growing in God. He's talking about you being more mature. I'm fixing to get, we're fixing to get real good right now. So y'all fasten seatbelts and let's rock. I'm doing good. I'm going to do good. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those are people that have died and gone on ahead of you and watching you and waiting for you to come to heaven, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares you, and run with endurance or patience the race that is set before you. Did you know that God is going to deal with you about stuff in your life that's hindering your walk with him? We're not talking about sin. All right, now, now I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm gonna, uh, let's just jump ahead. I feel anointed to get ahead. The Lord showed this to me the other day. He said, everybody in my body, I am dealing with them in an area. All of us are being dealt with in a different area. Now, you understand, in, in a church like this, we've got everything from kindergarten to college. Now, you understand, we're not all in the same textbook. And we're not all in the same grade. But the Holy Ghost knows what grade you're in. But, but in school, and I don't know how they do it now, but I think they do this because I've met some people that graduated and, and, and couldn't read, write, or do arithmetic, so I'm pretty sure I'm right. If you don't know the subject, they move, they move you. When we start a school, we're not going to let them move on. We're not flunking them, but here's how we're going to do it. We're not going to call it first grade math and second grade math and third. We're going to call it bluebird math. 
So you can be in first grade and go to Bluebird, and if you're smart enough to go to Redbird, we'll send you. But if you're in the end of Bluebird and don't make it, we just keep you there because you want to know you, you want to know what you need to know to go on. It's wrong to send a kid on. It, some kids might take a week to learn. Some, some might take three weeks. Let them learn at their speed. Let them learn. So sometimes they'll learn social studies that fast. And math, oh, I don't get it. Well, the, the whole idea is you've got to get a mindset how people learn. God does the same thing with you. But right now, every one of us in this room, he's got his finger on something that he's talking to you about. Some of you are going, uh-uh. Oh, yeah. And he'll bring it up again, and he'll bring it up again, and he'll bring it up again, and you're not going anywhere. Until you do it. You can stay in third grade like Jethro Bodine all your life. And that explains why there's Christians. So at the point that God brought truth to you and you didn't like it is where you are. And he ain't moving until you do what he said. He's not up there going, oh, maybe I shouldn't have taught you that. Okay, okay, hold on a minute. Let's, let's, wait a minute. They're not getting it. Let's, let's just let them go on. It's embarrassing for that. No, he don't care. That's called the chastening of the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you how you know you're stuck. When you lose your joy... And you don't like reading your Bible and going to church anymore. You have said no. And, he, and he's just going to leave you sit until you get desperate. Now, where did I learn this? When Brother Hagin was on the bed of affliction, God, he was praying about healing. And God took him over to the scripture on worry. And he said, Oh, I can't do that. Now, if you read his books, he said, my Bible went black. I lost all interest in the Bible. He said, from then on, nothing, nothing, nothing jumped out of the page. Nothing was exciting. Didn't, didn't want to pray. And he just, everything just went kind of dark. Did God do it? No, God didn't do it. And then he came back started praying again, and he kept bumping in to the Scripture in the Sermon on the Mount where God told him not to worry or have any anxiety about anything. He finally said, I can't do that. He said, my mother was a worrier, my grandmother was a worrier, and I am a worrier. And the Lord dealt with him, if you don't, you can never progress. He would have died on the bed and never started Ramah if he hadn't have obeyed the obe sin and gotten rid of the sin of worry. See, you'll never hit your destiny if you don't obey the Bible. Now, you'll also never, never hit it unless you let me preach truth. 
And that means sometimes you're going to be sitting in church and you're going to go, oh, I don't want to hear this. One guy made a statement one time. He says, every time I come to church, people are always preaching that I need to be in the ministry. And no, they weren't. Who's, who was talking to him? God. How many of you have ever had God talk to you while I'm preaching that had nothing to do with what I'm saying? Yeah. That's your own private sermon. Take notes. <laughs> That's why people don't like to go to church because they don't want to be in his presence because every time they get in his presence, he starts talking to them about the things they don't want to do. Shondai. I am doing so good. I am. This is absolutely. See, I'm going to tell you this. I'm just going to brag on myself. You'll never hear anything like this anywhere, hardly ever. People just don't talk about it. But I want you to know, because I want you to know, I want you to grow, and I want you to fulfill the call of God in your life, and I want you to mature, and I want you to have your joy. All right, now let's, let's read this. Let me read it again. We also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight. That's all the junk in your life. Some of it's just junk. And the sin that easily ensnares you and run with endurance the race set before you. That means God's got you in a race like a race. And then you need to strip some stuff off so you can run your race because the only thing God wants in your life is what's important. Now, I'm not telling you that you can't have fun and do things. Don't, don't turn your hobbies into your life. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom, and it really does mean first. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the beginning, and the finisher of your faith. He started it, he'll finish it. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Did he have a time that he said to God, I don't want to do this? Come on, everybody, did he? Yes. Father, let this cup. He didn't say, Father, let this cup pass. No, he's serious. Is there not another way to do this? You don't, I, let me listen. You're a big God. I mean, don't go and uh, die for everybody on the earth, get beat all to pieces, go into hell for three days. I really don't want to do that. And every one of us, if you're honest, and, and we need to talk about this, don't think that everywhere God's going to lead you, you're going to like it. Because you're not. He's going to take you places you don't like to meet people you don't like and to hear sermons you don't want to hear. Ah. Yeah, he will. He must. And if you don't, then you're stuck. All right, let's, let's go. I'm, I'm just doing so good. I'm just doing. Verse 3, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of people that, did, that came to this church that didn't like me, and God didn't seem to be worried about it. I mean, how are you going to work on your love walk if nobody ever comes that needs agape? And I don't want to name names, but I don't want to look over there. No, I'm teasing. 
I'm just teasing. I mean, you got them in your life too. You got, you know, you're like, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this job anymore, God. I hate this job. I want you to get me a job with Christians. No, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. I don't like this. I don't like my marriage. I don't like my marriage. Suck it up, buttercup. That person is good for you. <laughs> Verse 4, you have not resisted bloodshed striving against sin. In other words, sometimes it's going to get tough. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves. He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, he's going to use the word scourge and rebuke. He's going to use another word. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. What son is there? Father doesn't chasten. If you're without chastening, of which you've become partakers, you're illegitimate and not sons. Further, we've had human fathers who corrected us. So is he talking about correction? He is talking about correction, isn't he? Listen to me. He's talking about correction. That means not everything, that, not every, God has some things he wants to say to you, and they're going to be corrective in nature, but without them, you're not going to go on. Now, let's go back to third grade math again. Let's pretend like we're back in third grade. And you just flumped, you know, multiplication again, and the teacher's coming around, and you have that thing in your stomach, and she says, you need to study and sends a paper home to mom. He needs to do his homework. He needs to work on his multiplication table. He needs to F. Well, who's that for? You. It's for the kid. It's for the kid. She's there for the kid. You can't send him to fourth grade. He's got to get this now. Why do you think God sometimes has things and people say to you, it's corrective. Don't leave church, stupid. I want to slap a couple of people. Do you know that's actually the pastor's job description? It's my job description. That's why it says preach the truth in what? <laughs> See, this right here was corrective in nature. If you're bothered by it, I am preaching to you. But do you know how many people, I mean, I'm telling you, the body of Christ right now doesn't want to hear old-fashioned live right. They want a motivational sermon every Sunday morning. I want to feel good about myself. Well, why not? You know, you'd feel good if you were good. So, so he's talking about a son here. So, so let's, just, let's just talk about this a minute. What kind of a home would it be if the children were not disciplined? What kind of church would it be if the children, if people were not disciplined and corrected, it would it would be a free for all, folks. You can't have weddings and then the next month the guy runs off. You can't have that. But we've had it in here. We've had all kind of stuff. 
I don't catch any flack until I preach on living right. Because you don't like it, but you need it. It's my job. You, you signed up for I'm a Christian. You, you're the one signed up for that. I kind of thought that's what you meant when you came in. It's a church. This, we use that book. All right, let's go. I want to tell my story. Lisa and I had a person in this man and his wife and his two children that came to this church, and they came over to our home when we lived in Effie Drive in the mobile home. And the boy, the little boy, was undisciplined totally. And he had a bad habit of every time he wanted a toy or something, he would choke the other child, grab him by the throat, and choke him. And the mother did not discipline the boy because the dad would, I don't know what he would do, but she was scared to death of her husband. Now, you understand, we see everything. Not naming names. You don't even know who I'm talking about anyway. It's been too long ago. So, Lisa and I noticed that and kind of said something, and she's like, I try to say, honey, don't do that, honey. Honey, don't do that, honey, don't do that. Well, that don't work. Without a reason, you know, and I'll just say this about my boys. Never had any trouble taking them anywhere. Never. It's called the book of Proverbs. It's all in there. It's in there if you want to know it. It's in there. If your kids are unruly, you, you, you did it. Okay. So, so anyway, when, when Joshua, Justin, and Jordan were growing up, in my house, we fought and wrestled. And I wrestled with my boys. And I let them go full bore. Now, y'all got to get this picture. And Lisa would holler at us sometimes if we almost destroyed the living room. But other than that. But, but Joshua would always grab me around the feet. Jordan would always run at me and grab me around the waist and try to pull me down. But Justin always got up on the back of the couch and did the Spider-Man jump on my head. And they, all three of them were H-bent on taking me out. I got to stop right now and change, stop my story and tell you another story. I'm coming back. We told the babysitter, which was Jill Yenskinski, don't say to the boys, let's wrestle. She did. We came home from our date and we had to pray for her. And we said, did you, did the boys wrestle? We, we, yes. I said, we told them not to, yeah, but I told them they could. I said, Jill, they wrestle me. They don't have any idea. They have no concept of pulling. They're, they're full bore on me. But I always had fun. I'd pull Justin off and shake him like a rag and throw him on the couch and grab Joshua and pick him up and pick him by the britches and throw him across the living room and Jordan. And then this is how we'd fight. I'm telling you this story for a reason. So this boy is in the bedroom with Justin. And, and Justin has something he wants. And, and Justin thinks they're playing. And he grabs Justin by the throat. And Justin got a big grin and went, cool. 
and he jumped in the air and pounced on this boy, flattened him right out in the bedroom floor and just started wailing on him. But Justin is playing. And this boy is down there, ah, 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 and he is losing it. And I hear it, and I come back there, and I pull Justin off, and Justin is going, man, Dad, we was, we was fighting. And this poor kid is terrorized. And I picked him up and took what was left of him into his mother. And he said, did I do something wrong? I said, no. That was good. He needed it. I'll give you $5 when he's gone. That's, I didn't give him the $5. That's a true story. But you know, some kids, now think about the fact, this little boy's going to grow up and get married. You cannot have a city without standards. You can't have, a, you can't have, you can't drive your car without self-control and standards. You cannot have a country without standards, and you can't have a church. You can't have a church, and we're not talking legalism. We're not talking legalism. We're talking standards. So if I come and preach on tithing, Zach, and you have a friend, and they go, I don't like that, don't come to me and ask me to quit. Just turn to them and say, well, let me show you where that is in the Bible. Does that make sense? I mean, I think that's kind of simple, right? All right, now let's, let me read the rest of this. Is this good? I mean, you, I don't have any more stories on Justin tonight, but. Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. What son is there whom a father does not chasten? If you're without chastening, of which you have become partakers, then you're illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us and paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us what seems best to them, but he for our profit, so that we might be a partaker of his holiness. Without it, you're not going to be holy. And that's one, do you understand? Can you say this is what's wrong with the church today? It is what's wrong. Okay. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness by those who have been trained by it. It is the way God trains you. Now, he doesn't come on you and put fifth grade math and sixth grade math. and No, he only puts third grade math on you now. He will only deal with you where you are now. He won't lay the whole tamale on you. Say, thank God. He, that's what grace is for. Grace is for all the stupid stuff you're still doing that he hadn't said nothing to you about. Now, now let, let's just get real here a minute. I, I've had a a couple of instances in my own life where God would put his finger on something and I didn't agree. I mean, I asked him one time, I said, why are you getting on to me? I can name five preachers that are just like me. He said, that's none of your concern. Whether I deal with them or not deal with them, that's none of your business. I'm dealing with you. 
I've got to tell you another story. My first day of getting my driver's license. Now, in Athens, Georgia, when, you got, when I grew up, you got a pink slip. You didn't get the real deal for like two weeks. So the day I got my license, state trooper pulled me over. Now, here, I'm going to justify why I was. I had an MGA Roadster, my first car. I'm coming up on a hill, and, I, and the first gear is not synchronized. That means I got to stop on the hill, put it in first, and then double clutch it, and I don't know how to do that it's yet, not on a hill. And so I rolled to a stop, looked, and went. Well, he was behind me. And when he saw the pink slip of paper, he sent me to the judge. He goes, oh, first day you ran a stop sign the first day. Son, he just folded up and said, you're going to go see the judge. So I walked into the judge's office, which was a friend of my grandfather's. It's not good when your grandfather's a professor of horticulture and his personal friends. And he sees me coming and he's like, what are you doing in here? And he reads it and I said, I see cops do it all the time. I didn't say that. I did say it. And when he finished with me, if I ever see you, I don't care if every cop on the planet runs stop signs. I better not ever see you in here again. The longest day you live. <laughs> then he told my grandfather. Back when I was young, the judge would whip you, then your mother would whip you, then your grandfather would whip you. Then they all thought they needed a piece of you before you done. And then they run around high-fiving each other because everybody got a chance to whip you. They don't do that anymore either. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter where they are. So anyway, he, he was getting on to me about something. And he just left me alone until I complied. In other words, he, see, there's a scripture. He gives more grace, but he resists the proud. That's why I learned that scripture. I didn't learn it in Bible school. I learned it in life. And I realized that he will stiff arm me and not answer my prayers Until I obey. And buddy, I learned to obey. I'm going to tell you another story. When, when, I, when, when Lisa and I got married, the Lord had been dealing with me to do ministry his way. I didn't want to. I thought my way was pretty good. I had a plan. Do you know how long he let me work construction? Now, listen, just hold on real quick. Three years before he talked to me again, he scared me. I thought, you have eternity. I mean, if you're, gonna, if you're going to wait three years to talk to me a second time, I'm not ticking you off again. I mean, he's got all kind of patience. 
And finally, when he got around to talking to me a second time, I was ready to listen because he had me real convinced that I had better mind. I mean, he just kind of scared me. And that's kind of when I learned some of this. And now I'm looking at people around me and I'm going, do you know what it's going to cost you to not do what he said? I don't mean that you're going to hell. I don't mean he doesn't love you. I'm just telling you he'll chasten you. He will teach you right from wrong one way or the other. I had a man came to me one time. He said, I don't ever have time to read him a Bible. He got locked up and put in jail for a year. And I walked in. I said, you got time? He goes, yes. I said, you had it before. I think God tells the good guys where the bad guys are hiding. And mine, I tell you, my friends, went to Hallelujah. <laughs> Second Corinthians three eighteen says, "God will take you from glory to glory to glory." Go to Second Timothy two twenty five. Is this good? Yeah. yeah. When I did not know this, and, and, and when we see people that, you know, it's kind of like, well, I know, I know what the Bible says, but uh, don't get mad at them. Don't get ugly with them. Just say, God, help them. Because God's going to, he's going to deal with them until they get it back. Now, you remember the story in the Old Testament, I meant to write this down, about Jacob wrestling with the angel? What do you think? Don't you think an angel could whoop him? I've always read that and thought, just whip him. Angel killed 10,000 people one night. I'm pretty sure you can whip Jacob. But it says he was wrestling with the angel of the Lord. What was he wrestling over? Because God had something he needed to do in Jacob before he met Esau. And he's got to get it done in you. Jacob was kind of a wild child. But God had, a, had his hand on him. But when he finished, he limped and he obeyed. Smith Wigglesworth made a statement, and I always wondered what it meant. God has burnt Smith out of Smith. If you have an ego, God will deal with it. Kenneth T.L. Osmond said, God has a hundred ways to deal with pride. I went, I think he has about a million of them. But I, I'm just going to tell you, I know in my own life, I know that there are times he has kept me at a spot. Y'all are listening, aren't you? Well, I'm waiting on my promotion. Well, you might want to go talk to God. Because it ain't up to your boss. It might be God holding you down. Don't put money first. God don't like it. So what about preaching on living right? What, what, about, all, what about preaching? Let, let, let's, let's, let's look at these scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.25. Let's read 24. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, be gentle to all, able to teach, 
in humility correcting those that are in opposition if God perhaps grant them repentance that they would know the truth and come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. God, God's going to anoint men of God to correct so you can get out of the snare of hell. And if you don't, if you don't hear some good preaching on it, you're not going to come out. And you're going to be going, oh, oh, that's a rough sermon. Okay, let's look at another one. Don't get quiet on me. 316, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So should we preach on marriage? Should we preach on sex? How the generation that we're living in right now, how did they miss that? Well, it's my girlfriend. Well, when are y'all getting married? Well, we're not. We're living together until we find, no, you're not. No, you're not. And the parents say nothing. And if I preach on it, I mean, you're just, I mean, y'all just go quiet. Because, you know, they're sitting in the, I mean, it's like you knew they were there. Dang right I knew they were there. What, what's wrong with y'all? I mean, I, I want to get on that one bad, but I'm going to leave it alone tonight. I mean, did Jesus ever say anything about stuff or just, oh, I want to offend them? He said, you offended them. He said, yeah, tell them they both will fall in a ditch. Jesus was very strong. I mean, if you care about people, care more about the word than you do your children's feelings. Care, care more about the word than you do your stupid friendships. Ask them how you do it. If they're not right, take them off and go, what are you doing? I raised you better than this. What are you doing? Don't shout me down. You know how many bags of marijuana I have gotten in the offering? A lot. Did you ever put any in? No. After a Sunday morning, I mean, there's people are dropping dope all in the offering bags. And, like, and they're like, this is my last bag, you know, and I'm giving it. To, he don't want it. But they're getting clean because they're hearing the word. There was a man that was watching one day online, and he said, uh, he called me and said, Pastor, uh, my wife and I need to get married. My girlfriend and I need to get married. And I said, okay, um, where do you go to church? He says, yours. I said, when can you be in? He said, I can't be in until next week. And I said, why not? He said, we live in Naples. And I said, how do you go to my church? He said, we've been online watching you for a while. He said it just dawned on us Sunday that this is probably not right. I said, yeah, you've been watching me. <laughs> right? I mean, he came under conviction, not condemnation. He's looking at her and going, uh, yeah, let's get married. <laughs> and come on, y'all. Y'all, come on, y'all. How are you ever going to write from wrong if someone doesn't ever preach on right and wrong? All right, chapter 4, verse 1. I, 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 you know, I feel a little bit of, but it's okay. I, I'm, I'm used to it. It's called persecution. 
Nothing like Jesus went through. Chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead and is appearing, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, and they'll heap together teachers and turn their ears from truth. How are you going to grow if you turn from truth? This is good, isn't it? You know what? And I'm pretty sure that's rough. I mean, on purpose, I did this, and I'm going to tell you I did this. I went and got Keith Moore's sermon series on humility. It's not on humility. It's on pride. And I listened to it. Reluctantly, but I listened to it. And I knew I had an issue, and I knew I needed to change. And I knew I didn't want to hear it. But I didn't want to listen to the same room with Lisa. Because she'd be going, yeah, exactly. You need to listen to that right now. And I mean, I'm taking notes. And I mean, about every five minutes, he is nailing my hide to the wall. And when I got finished, I had repented, repent, repent, repent. It's called clean up. Get it to get. God hates pride. He hates pride. And I knew, I'll tell you where it started. Y'all don't be too mean at me. One day I'm praying and I get to pride, 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 pride. And I said, Lord, who are we praying for? Amen. I'll tell you, Lisa and I have had some good times in our marriage. We've learned one thing. When she's talking, I listen. When I talk, she listens. You need to listen. Because sometimes your heart's right and your head's wrong. And you need to listen. You need to go weigh it. And there's been days that, that I've said something to her, and she comes back and goes, Hmm, you're right. I said, I, I am. And later, the, the other way around, she'd say something, and I'd go, oh, I don't want to hear that. It's who's it for? It's for me. It's for me. This is for you. Oh, I got a couple minutes. Good. Revelation 3.19. Are y'all doing all right? I'm trying to prepare you for the days ahead. You know why? Because if you're going to make it, you're going to need a lot more Bible than who you are in Christ. Godliness is profitable. You understand that you can stay in third grade and God will love you. But if you never hit maturity, you'll never, full, you'll, you'll never get married. You'll never, you'll never, God can't take you to the next place if it's going to harm you. Does that make sense? 
I've told you the story many times, and it bears repeating. But when, when we lived down in Effie, the boys all had a 22s, and they all had shotguns. They all had 410s or 20 gauges. And Justin had a little single shot 20, and I let him go deer hunting. But I will tell you, there came a day in his life when, when I gave him an order, he did it. Now, you understand that if you're a parent, you know, that's huge, guys. When I'm a pastor, when I got leadership, I tell them something they do. They, they better do it. I, I have to have standard. It's not a free-for-all in here. Amen. So Justin's down in the woods. He says, Dad, I want to go back to camp. Can I take my shotgun? Sure, you can take your shotgun. But can I take my buckshot? I said, you promised me you're not going to shoot anybody's mailbox. He said, I won't shoot at anything except a deer. I said, okay. And I stayed down in the woods, and about 15, 20 minutes later, I hear, I go, deer or mailbox? Mailbox, I'm taking his gun away. You know what I'm talking about. I shot at a bird. bird. But he never, he had gotten to the place in his life where he was doing what I said, and I and I, I thought I can trust him. I get back up and he goes, I shot a buck, and we had to find him. And with the help of God, we found his little buck. And I took him to Georgia because it was his birthday. And he said, I killed my buck. Let's go home now, because he's got gifts at home. And I said, Well, I haven't killed my buck yet. And he said, Well, it's my birthday. I said, Okay. So we loaded up the truck and we came home. But that was his first buck, and he was sitting on a rock doing a a doe and heat call. And he's over there going, you know, making the sound a doe makes when she's in heat. And he turns around, and there's a deer standing right there looking at him like, you really don't look like Doreen to me, buddy. But anyway, so Justin just turned around and goes, you know. So anyway, but, but what would have happened had I not trusted him? I'm, I don't want him to harm himself. That's a lot of power. God's not turning you loose until he can trust you. And I'm not going to turn you loose unless I can trust you either. You come in my church and say, I have a call of God on my life. I'm going to put you through the ringer. Amen. I'm going to put you through it. You're going to, you're going to, I'm going to find out what you're made out of. Come on, y'all. Don't shout me down. And I've had people get up and look at me and go, I've called God on my life and I ain't working no sound booth. And they left and went and worked in a jail ministry for three years and died. I didn't kill them. God didn't kill them. Let me tell you something. God ain't playing a game with you. Amen. There's a lot of stuff going on in Christianity that God didn't tell people to do it. And I think we need to understand that. You're wanting to pray for someone in there. You have to ask, are you even obeying God? Have you doing what he told you to do? The longer you go, the more is required out of you. There's a lot more required. Revelation chapter 3, and I'm going to try to close with this, 319. As many as I love, I what? And chasten. Be zealous and repent. How many, how many places did he wrote a letter to the churches? Angels don't read letters to churches. 
It says to the angel of Pergamos, to the angel of fire. The word's messenger. He, he gave it to the pastors. Who's reading it? That the pastors are reading it. To who? The people. Is it okay to read the letter? What if it's something you don't like? kind of quiet in here. This is good, isn't it? I wanted you to hear this. I wanted you to know this because um, anyway, I got some more stuff on the back. Don't ever take sides against the Word. Don't take sides against the Word of God. If the Lord is dealing with somebody in your family and they're not living right, don't say, oh, they have a good heart. They have a good heart. Well, they might have a good heart, but they're not doing right. You know they're not living right. I talked to a lady one day, and I said, I don't think your mom is saved. Yes, my mother's saved. My mother loves the Lord. My mother. Well, I know she goes to church, but I don't think she's saved. I wasn't trying to be mean. I'm just telling you, I think you might want to pray for your mom. Because she was using the N-word so much, I'm thinking there's no way she's saved. Okay, y'all, I had to paint a picture because I know y'all. I mean, she just don't like black people. And I said, I don't think your mom's saved. My mom is saved. My mom goes to church. My mom goes to church. But you might want to pray for her and talk to your mom about, about her mouth. And My mom loves the Lord. Why, why are we acting like that? Why can't you walk up and go, Mom, can we open the Bible here and read a little script? I mean, if your mom blows a gasket, your mom definitely needs to hear what you have said. I mean, Thanksgiving are really terrible times for families because of, we're not just not going to bring that subject up. Just don't holler, go Brandon, before you eat, you know, just. <laughs> I told Lisa this last night, and I'll tell y'all, just, just, I think the, the world came up with that saying, so you can't get mad at them for being sinners, but they're mad. And I'm glad that it morphed into Go Brandon. Uh, I mean, if you're going to say something, don't walk around going F Biden. That's, that's really not cool. Even though they're not saved and they're, if they're going to say Go Brandon, that's at least God has helped them to temper their anger somewhat. And I'm glad they're angry. I'm glad they're mad. So don't get mad at the phrase. You know what that means. Don't be, don't be self-righteous right now. I'm glad they're finally getting ticked. Somebody needs to get ticked. I knew if I brought that up in church. and Help me, Jesus. How many of you all right now, and I'm going to try to close. How many of you can actually look at yourself and go, I think I see how God has been working with me. Do you see that? All of us in this room, he does this with all of us. And he's gracious, he's patient. And there's times that his patience goes, it's been a while, this one. You've been in third grade for a long time, son. I think it's time for us to have a talk. And so God will deal with us in certain ways. And we see men of God who he pulls out of ministry. He does. And we see people he promotes, and we don't know why. 
Just leave him alone. He knows what he's doing. We see Christians, sometimes if you're praying for people and they're not getting healed, you might want to go, what's the Lord dealing with you right now about? Yeah. It might be you need to go talk to someone you don't want to talk to and apologize to someone, say something you don't feel like saying. And there might be a lot of different reasons. Might not be tithing. Might be stealing from God. You never know about people. Did I do all right? Did this, I mean, I'm asking you this in serious. Did this help? Because really, when you start learning how he thinks, then you start understanding a lot more about his church. I see younger people that seem to be a lot looser, but I have to go, God, you're in them, and I'm trusting you to work in them. But I'll say what I can get away with if they're not my kids, especially if they come walking in and their pants are about three feet high and they're wearing black shoes. And they're... It's a personal joke. It's just a joke. And I did have a little talk with him. Didn't wasn't in sin, but anyway. Does this help? You ready to pray? Father God, thank you for the opportunity to open up a Bible and find out how you deal with us. You definitely deal with us, and you do it with grace and mercy. You're not always dealing with us rough. Neither do we do our kids. And maybe I should have mentioned this, but you, um, you never allow rebellion to go unchecked. You will tolerate a mistake, but you will not tolerate rebellion at all. But Father God, neither in us. And I pray that we would walk out here tonight and understand that sometimes you are dealing with us so he can, you can take us on. And we've got family, friends. We need to pray for them that they'll do the thing that you're showing them they need to do and not be afraid to act on it and step out and do what you said. And I give you the glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope this helped you a little bit. Have a good night. I'll see you back here Sunday morning.